Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors Podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement. We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to oneconnectionaway.com. That's oneconnectionaway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. oneconnectionaway.com. Let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kingdom REI podcast. I'm your boy Cameron Roy, uh, my wonderful host. Ellis could not make it this episode, so I will be taking us on this journey. I've got a great uh, guest on today, excited to talk about her her calling, her passion, her skills, her story to inspire you in a way, hopefully that's helpful. This is April Crossley. April, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Most certainly. We're glad to have you here. But April, why don't you go ahead? I like to just do this um, with guests so we can get a little bit more familiar with you. Why don't you give us the you know, one to two minute, 30,000 foot view of who you are? Sure. So I started investing back in 2004 after I picked up a book. I was in healthcare. So I worked in healthcare for 13 years, retired from that nine years ago because I was flipping enough houses to replace my income and healthcare was just going in a different direction than what I wanted to go. It came all became more about business and less about people and being able to spend time with my patients. So retired from healthcare had big concerns that I was making the wrong decision based on who I am at my core, meaning I felt like I couldn't help people. Like I went from healthcare to real estate, which to me was helping and then going to a business and I wasn't business minded. And I thought business is making money and how am I going to help people? And I quickly learned that I actually got to help way more people. <laughs> I felt like by running my own business. So I had to have a little bit of a mind set shift there when I left healthcare. I thought I would be very unfulfilled moving into real estate investing. So we have our flipping company. We hold a bunch of small multifamily apartment buildings um, in our local market in Pennsylvania. And then I have co-GP'd on some syndications um, and raised capital for those and bought a mobile home park. And now I'm really my word for 2022 was impact. So I'm super passionate about impact investing and like making sure that people on my team and everything we're doing from like buying the mobile home park to 
Um, now we're buying some shared affordable housing down in Tennessee is really like having an impact on communities and that we're not just like, for example, buying a mobile home park and increasing rents. Like we're buying a mobile home park, going in, sitting down with each resident and saying, we want to make sure you can afford this rent. And if you feel like you can't, we want to provide you with resources so that you can. So making sure people have clean, affordable, uh, safe housing is really my passion right now. Love it. Tell me about the healthcare industry that you came out of. What were you doing? I'm just curious. My wife, she's a labor and delivery nurse and I, ah, okay. I, I know a little bit about the healthcare world from her. Um, not so much, but what were you doing in the healthcare world? So I was a respiratory therapist. I worked in intensive care with people on life support machines or ventilators. They're called if we heard a lot about that with the whole COVID-19 thing. So that's what I did in the healthcare industry. So as I'm sure your wife can tell you, it's a lot of long hours and unpredictable. You never know what's going to come in or what you're going to be dealing with next. And yeah, it's an, it's an intense, it's intense job. I have a lot of respect for people that work in healthcare. Yeah. yeah it, especially, you know, coming through a co post COVID world, oh, yeah. COVID world, like mm -hmm. it just seemed like her job had a whole new meaning and description when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you were in healthcare doing that for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And you said nine years ago, you quit that to, because your flip business was able to sustain you financially. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were flipping enough houses for three years in a row that I decided to exit healthcare because I was kind of going to my job every day and crying <laughs> because I just felt like I couldn't take care of my patients the way I wanted to. And my husband just said to me one day, you know, if you put as many hours and as much energy as you do into this job and healthcare into real estate, you could really be successful at that. And I just had kind of lost my heart for the healthcare thing, the way it was going. So exited that. How did you guys get into house flipping? When did that, I guess, venture pick up in your life? Um, so back in 2004, I picked up a book. I was in school for my master's degree. I picked up a book about real estate that my husband had laying around and started reading it. My husband had two small rental properties at the time. And that book led to me dropping out of my master's program and to us taking a real estate investing course. Uh, one of the like big guru courses, you know, all they really talk about in those courses is flipping houses. I didn't really know anything else. I didn't know about private lending. I didn't know about owning rentals really, except the two my husband owned, which I didn't really grasp. He understood it, but I didn't. So all you heard about was flipping houses. So that's how we started. Like I started doing off market mailings and we started flipping houses and then started buying some small multifamily. Yeah, I, I've been in a few guru uh, sessions in, in my journey in real estate, and um, they can be very tempting and persuasive to, you know, sign up, write your name on the yeah. dotted line, give the money and learn how to retire on a beach in three years. Yes. I haven't met that person who's accomplished that yet, though. <laughs> Me um, either. <laughs> still looking. So, okay, that that's great. And you were, did you guys just bootstrap this yourself? I mean, you said you're doing a volume enough to, you know, quit or did you have to hire people to automate some systems or no. know, what was the stress like? 
Yeah, stressful. I mean, it wasn't like it is in today's environments. We're talking back in 2004. I definitely think the real estate investing game now is way different than it was back then. So I was doing all the marketing. We were overseeing all our flips by ourselves. I was kind of like just solopreneur. Even after I left my healthcare job, I was pretty much a solopreneur with no team until the day I kind of hit a wall and was like, I'm quitting. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do it. I'm so tired. Everybody said this would be so great. <laughs> I'd be financially free. It would be amazing. And I work harder now than I've ever worked before. And a friend of mine was just like, you don't have to quit. You're just doing it wrong. Like you need to get into a mastermind group. You need to get around people that can help guide you and lead you and show you how to put systems in place and do it more efficiently. And then that's when I started bringing on partners. Yeah. This is a team sport. Definitely. And yes. the quicker you learn that, the better you are. I mean, there's yes. a saying I like a lot of people will say, well, you can run faster together, further alone. Um, in this business, you can just go faster and further together. Yeah. And the quicker you join hands with people who compliment you and your skills are aligned with, you can move at some serious speed. Yes. Um, but there's just such a temptation when you don't know what you're doing at the beginning to, you know, maybe feel inadequate. Like, why well, would I ask him to help me? I'm such a newbie, such a rookie. Like I need to get some skills and some experience under my belt. And then people want to partner with me. When in reality, it's like, well, there's probably a lot of people willing to partner with you if you would just add value in one capacity to the deal, yeah. figure out where you could add some value, double down on that, and then bring in the skills of the other people that you're lacking. You yeah. can do such quicker or so much quicker. Yeah. Okay. So what was life like when you quit healthcare? I mean, you said you learned quickly that you could help a lot of people realizing, you know, your, your efforts through real estate. But at the beginning, I can imagine, you know, every day you're saving and preserving life. And you quit that and you have a passion and desire to help people. What was the feeling just like, all I'm going to be doing is helping myself if I get successful in business and everybody else would just be left in the dirt. What was that feeling like? So when I left, it was lonely because my people I worked with in healthcare were like my tribe, you know, you worked around the same people every day and I lost that. So I I was going to meet up meetings and trying to meet people and then just created a meetup meeting in my local market um, and brought in people to speak and talk and kind of met people that way. And I really felt like it's okay. I'm going to build this business. I can make great money. I can still donate money, support the charities I like to support. But that, that was kind of all that I could see until I really started digging in deep with sellers and realizing that the type of sellers we're buying from in a flip business, people that are selling their house cash at a discount are selling it at cash at a discount for a reason. <laughs> I mean, they need an ear to bend. They need someone that's going to listen to them. They need help, lots of help. So it's helping them relocate, helping connect them to services in the community so that they can find more affordable housing. Um, helping them with lots of things so that they can kind of leave their old life behind and start over again. I almost describe it as my business partner and I joke sometimes like we should have a social services division, like we flip houses, but we should also also have a social services department so that we can really like have someone full-time that helps these people um, with placement and moving on from the house that caused them so much distress. 
Yeah, I've, I've been in a few situations like that. People are just desperate and they just need somebody who, like you said, would be sitting down, willing to talk with them, let them bend their ear. This um, flipping houses thing was working. It was offsetting the income from the healthcare world. And did you go to like some other guru who told you, hey, flipping houses for the for the chumps, uh, multifamily, large scale real estate, that's where it's at. So here's how you do that. How did you make the transition? Where did that come from? Yeah, no, we just, we bought a six unit and I don't even remember how that came about. That was back in 2005, I believe. And we actually bought that uh, with my father-in-law, which turned out to be amazing. He didn't understand it at the time, but now in retirement, it's providing income for him and he loves it because he worked at kind of a low paying factory job. So he doesn't get a lot from his retirement. So he's really loving in hindsight that we, <laughs> that we did that together and we're loving it too. And we bought a bunch of single family homes and then some other small multi-units that we started finding via marketing. It, it wasn't really, I didn't take a course. We just started holding stuff, buying and holding stuff. We didn't buy a lot during the 06, 07, if people were investing then the height of the market. And then after the bubble burst, we started buying a whole bunch of rental property to hold on to. Did you, um, whenever that happened after the market kind of busted and, and deals were being sold for pennies on the dollar, how did you guys acquire that? Was that your own capital? Did you bring in LPs? Was your father-in-law like, here's all my retirement money, go buy some deals? No, uh, it was with a private money lender. We had a private money lender and it was the same private money lender we had when we did our first flip. So we've always used private money. We've never used any of our own money. Um, now we private lend ourselves, but back when we started, we didn't even have money to use. We actually found our first flip project, took it to a guy that was flipping in our area. And we were like, we think we have a great deal, but we have no money to do this. And he joint ventured with us. He brought the money, we brought the deal, we split the profit at the end. And then that private money lender approached us and was like, you know, if you can use my money, keep my money busy, I'd like to lend you more money. So he was our sole private money lender for a long time. This is the whole thinking bigger thing. I wasn't really being coached. I was in a guru program, but they don't spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with you or a coach you or it's not like a mastermind. And so I couldn't think bigger, like, Hey, if I get more private money lenders, I can do more deals. So I just had this one private money lender and I could do three or four flip projects a year with him. I knew that was enough to get me out of my job. That was enough to get me out of my job. And so that's how we started. And we did the Burr strategy with all of our rental properties or seller financing. How many houses did y'all do that with seller financing? Oh, I mean um, so I'd probably say not a ton. Um, we did a four unit like that, an eight unit, a single family home. And these were all off market. You were getting them yes. through wholesaling? We, I was doing my own mailings, like okay, my own that's right. mail. Talk to me too about this. You know, you're in Pennsylvania, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. You guys are heavily focused on some cool affordable housing opportunities in Tennessee. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell us about that. What, what are you guys doing in Tennessee and how did that opportunity even come about? Yeah. So it's crazy. I was doing, like, I started learning more about private money. Then I became a private money lender. Then I started talking to other people about private money. So the point of me telling you that is 
I was asked by a coach to speak to her students in Tennessee. She's located in Tennessee about private money and how to find private money and how to work with private money lenders. So I would fly to Tennessee and speak to her group. And I went down there a few times and I was always in East Tennessee and I would do it for free. Like I'm just going to go and I'm going to give and I'm passionate about this and I don't know what's going to come of it. And when I was there, I met my now business partner in Tennessee (laughs) and how I met her was she was at one of these events. And somehow we got in this conversation about how real estate's great. You can flip houses and buy multifamily, make a ton of money. That's great. But what, what are you really doing and what are you super passionate about? And I was telling her, I'm really feel like I want to build affordable housing or buy affordable housing or something. And she was like, get in my car. It was the day I had to leave for the airport. She's like, get my car. I'll drop you off at the airport after we go. But we're going to tour these Clayton modular homes that they're building this affordable community in Tennessee. And I was like, no way. So ever since then, I was like, we are on the same path. Like this girl and I are on the same mission to like help people and not just make money, but really have a significant impact. So we stayed in touch over a few years And she came across a mobile home park opportunity. She's an agent. Her family has a lot of agents in it. And we ended up buying a mobile home park together. And then she went from being a residential agent to getting her commercial license. And someone in her office was talking about these houses, how there's like these houses, they used to be used for disabled adults. And this guy's going to sell them. And she overheard this conversation and was like, I have someone that wants to buy stuff like that. Like, April and I bought this mobile home park and she talks about buying stuff like this all the time. We didn't know how to make it happen. Like we're really interested. And so now we're um, supposed to close on two this month, two more next month. It'll be a total of six that we close on. And those are the mobile home parks. These are, so we bought a mobile home park, a 22 pad mobile home park. And that was a super cool experience. I learned a lot there and I love that park these are houses like individual houses that are meant for shared housing so they were built for disabled adults so they're all handicap accessible and they have big uh common area kitchens common area living spaces and then four really huge bedrooms because the bedrooms were meant to be shared and each bedroom has its own huge handicap accessible bathroom And the guy that built them got grants to build them. And now he's moving on and building new ones with new grants, like not far away, still in the same market. And he's selling these old ones and we are going to buy them. And we're working with the local senior programs and some other nonprofits in the area that are in need of affordable shared housing, which we first thought we're definitely going to work with senior programs. And then once you start talking to all the different services in the area, it's like this whole world just opens up of this need for everything, like children aging out of foster care and seniors that are homeless. Like in this one County, there's 30 homeless seniors on the street. And when I was talking to the senior program manager, she was saying, you know, if you open these houses, we're going to be able to get all 30 seniors off the streets. And I literally just burst into tears. Like there's a need for all kinds of different housing for different people. That's affordable. Absolutely. Are you got, how are you guys funded to do that then? Cause that would be a pretty risky asset. I assume for a lender, right? 
we're getting financing through a bank down there. The tricky part is keeping the rents affordable. So the tricky part's being able to buy the house at the asking price. And these houses need some cosmetic work and we're getting a good deal on them price per square foot, but buying the house at an asking price that makes sense that you can still keep the rents affordable has seemed impossible, almost to the point that I'm like, they would have to gift us a house for it to be possible. So we're really connecting and looking into a lot of grants, some local, some not local, that will pay for the rehab part of the property. So we're just purchasing the house itself. And then grants are paying for furnishings, rehab, everything like that, so that we can keep the rents affordable. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, best of luck on all getting those grants. Uh, I know they'll be helpful and useful. How did you discover or I guess get clarity maybe is the question on maybe God's call for you in this, in this um, business venture of yours. I feel like a lot of people may not know a very specific detail about God, what God wants them to do in their space to help people or their tenants or their investors beyond just being a good s- steward of the resources they've been given. There's nothing wrong with that, but it mm-hmm. seems to me like you have a very dialed in passion Mm-hmm. very specific to seniors who need a, a roof over their head and trying to get creative in a way to provide for that. Like, how did that clarity come to you? I think it comes from a lot of things. So working in healthcare, obviously I worked with a lot of seniors and I can't explain to you why, but seniors are my jam. Like if I had my choice, I would, between going to a bonfire with my friends or going to a bonfire, hanging out with people that are 65 plus, I would be at the senior bonfire. That's That's where I would be. I just love seniors. Um, So I always just have gotten along with them really well. My grandmother was a huge part of my life. She passed away last year of COVID, but I had such a strong connection with my grandmother and she was 91 when she passed away and she was losing her eyesight. So I would take her grocery shopping and take care of her and help her with all her stuff around the house and drive her to her doctor's appointments. And I did that for years. So became very close to my grandmother and saw if my grandmother couldn't stay in her home, where could she go and what could she afford? And it's either really high end senior housing options or a nursing home that's paid for by like Medicaid that's in terrible condition. And to me, the patients just aren't taken care of very well. So that was always in the back of my mind while taking care of my grandmother. So a strong connection just to knowing about seniors and being passionate about helping people like my grandmother. I just don't think a lot of people advocate for seniors. And then honestly, when I look back at my whole journey in real estate investing, it sounds to some people, this might sound super cheesy or super crazy, but I always chase what brings me joy. And that's how I find my path. So if something doesn't fulfill me and bring me joy, I get bored of it very easily. I just don't chase it anymore. So when I was going to Tennessee and teaching and I'm paying for my flight and I'm paying for my hotel and I'm not getting paid to teach and everything's free. I'm a lot of people are like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? That's crazy. Why would you do that? Mike, it brings me joy. I love it. Like I love helping people. I love teaching people. I love connecting with people. It brings me joy. So I'm not going to stop doing it because I love it. So I would go and do that. And like when I worked in healthcare, it brought me joy. And I feel like that's where I connected with a lot of seniors and 
So I honestly chase what brings me joy. I don't do necessarily what other people do. There's, I could say, I'm going to be a syndicator and just learn about syndication. This is all I'm going to do. And I've raised capital for syndicators. I've done it three times. And I'm like, that's great. That was kind of boring. Doesn't bring me a lot of joy. Don't really think I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> so overall, I would say that's how I found my path and what my calling really is. I'm curious. I wrote a book called Choose Joy. How do you oh, define really? Yeah. How do you define joy? Is it only pursuing things that make you happy or give you peace at night? Like when you say I only chase things that bring me joy, what do you mean by the word joy? I feel like things that it's a feeling in my heart and it's a feeling in my stomach that I can't explain. It has nothing to do with up here at all. I really feel this sense of fulfillment and like, I'm just being literally pulled by my heart in that direction. I, I pray for everyone that they feel that someday. Amen. Yeah. No, that that's great. And I resonate with that completely. It's been connected with God. And a lot of times my wife too, she'll say whenever we're making, trying to make big decisions, whatever it is, you know, she likes to say, if one of us are walking closely with God and one of us feels anxiety or stress about it, we really need to press in on that and make sure this is something the Lord wants us to do. Like God doesn't want you to take every good opportunity at your doorstep. And so you need to be able to have a, you know, a way to sift through the decisions that he wants for you. And for me, as well as you, it's, it's the ones that provide me, you know, joy. And, you know, there's, if I'm walking close to God and there's a a huge presence of anxiety or fear, like I need to just not make the decision until that's clearly gone away. And I have more of a rational thought and perspective behind it. So I agree with you. And I, I like that. I, I, sorry, I just get a little giddy train because I mean, I love the word joy. I didn't know. I didn't even know you wrote that book. (laughs) And I don't, even with the houses in Tennessee, it's, it is such a challenge to break into this space of affordable housing. And there's so many questions we don't have answered yet, but my business partner and I were like, we are meant to do this because if we weren't, we would have, we would have backed out right now, but we feel it. And we are, we know that we are going to buy these and this is what we're meant to do. And this is part of our journey. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't be moving forward because we would have so much anxiety and fear about it. And even though we don't have all the answers and all the puzzle pieces aren't in place yet, we know it's coming together. We can see it coming together and feel it coming together. Amen. What's something really cool in your journey that just sticks out to you that God's done in your real estate journey? It's just like, if you're at the bonfire with all the 65 year olds, whenever there's a bonfire with a bunch of other young people, What's the story you're going to talk about that you just clearly saw, felt the hand of God directing your steps in this business journey of yours? Yeah, I think this is it where I'm at right now. Like being pulled to Tennessee, if you would have asked me in the beginning of my real estate journey about investing in other states or Tennessee, I knew nothing about Tennessee. Why would I go to Tennessee? What's in Tennessee? Like my portfolio is here. I'm buying here. This is what I'm doing not knowing why I'm going to Tennessee, going to teach in Tennessee, then meeting my business partner there and knowing that we are truly aligned and that massive major things are going to come out of us working together because we have the same vision. 
it would literally be probably the first time I went to Tennessee, just because I was trusting that my heart was telling me this is something I should be doing and just going. That was definitely a defining point, I think, for me in my real estate business. That's taken years to evolve. I mean, I was teaching down there. I probably haven't taught that class in Tennessee for maybe three years. So I was teaching down there a couple of years ago. So it's been like a slow evolving thing. And now just amazing things are going to come out of it. I have no doubt about that. It sounds like you guys clearly have God's favor in this deal and you and your partner, how you guys came about. I mean, I love stories like that because you can't explain it other than saying it's the providential hand of God. Like yeah. it wasn't the right place, the right time. It was the place at the time appointed by God and all the stars aligned. So it was just yes. pull the trigger. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. What's a way that you like to give, <clears throat> excuse me, give back? Oh, tons of ways. I do a lot of, in, in the real estate communities, I give back a lot via just like free education. I get really excited for people telling them about like my journey and how I went from like a teenage mom on welfare to a millionaire and everything I'm doing now to change people's lives. And like, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you were, it's who you are becoming during that journey. Uh, so I have a YouTube channel where I give a ton of content. I love to coach people. And then as far as like charitable giving, I have like charities that my husband and I donate to that are usually like the largest homeless shelter where we live in Pennsylvania, Habitat for Humanity. It's all typically tied to the housing realm. That'll make Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah. And, and the free coaching, is that something you do with uh, individuals or is it just content that you put on YouTube and you know, post series? How do you, how do you get that across? Yeah, we have uh, YouTube, my YouTube channel, which is April Crosley. So we do a ton of free education there. And then we have a free like newbie content bundle pack that we give away on our website full of like some forms and documents that newbies can use and videos on flipping and wholesaling houses and stuff. Love it. We need more teachers in this world. That's awesome. And I love your story. I, it's cool when you hear people and their story is clear, like, oh, this was a no brainer from God pedal to the metal full speed ahead. Um, and I think you have that. I also love that you like to give back and, and teach newbies. There's a lot of you know people who are listening to this podcast right now that want to get started in real estate that don't know how to get started in real estate. Maybe they want to start off flipping homes or want to you know jump full bore into multifamily, senior living, or storage. How do they get a hold of you or your content if they want to learn more, maybe even be coached by you and heed all that good expertise you have? Yeah. Aprilcrosley.us is my website and that's where they can find the free like newbie. We call it like a newbie bundle pack. Okay. Aprilcrosley.us. Yep. And then oh. my YouTube channel, April Crosley, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of free videos there. Awesome. Well, that's great. That's how you get a hold of her guys. If you want to reach out, feel free to do so. Get that newbie bundle pack. If you're somebody who wants to get in the space, learn from all her experience. Um, I didn't do this at the beginning of the episode. So I know my boy Alice is going to give me a hard time, but I want to do it before we end. Do you care if I pray for us? No. Mm -mm. Cool. All right, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thanks for an opportunity to meet a new friend in this great world of business and real estate that we get to both partake in. 
and try to bring your kingdom onto this earth through our hands and our work and our effort. And I thank you for April and her story. I pray that you would just bless her and her business partner and all their efforts in Tennessee with the senior situation there. I pray that the grants would just come in in abundance and any walls in their way would just be knocked down and they could advance their, their deals, their passions. Um, and many people will be blessed by their hands. God, we love you so much. Thank you for all that's true about our lives and thank you for Christ. It's in his name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, go be sure and check out April's content. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.